I want to share with you something. We're going to we're going to start a new series uh, here today. And the title of the series is not what I thought. It's it's going to take a look at some of the most misunderstood scriptures that there are in the Bible. And that might be certain words, it might be phrases or, or complete verses or whatever. But we're going to take a look at some of those things that are misunderstood. Let me read for you from um, the book of uh, Matthew. In the book of Matthew in chapter 7, it says this. It says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure that you use, it will be used to measure you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? <laughs> it, this is uh, quite a unique uh, part of Scripture that, that kind of warns us about you know, acting in a particular way. And, and some of the words in here, we have to understand what they mean. You know, not just mean in, in you know, today's world, in, in the context of where we are, but what was the original intent, you know, 2,000 years ago when these words were written? That's what we're going to take a look at. So we're going to look at some of those particular words. <clears throat> we're also going to take a look at some words that uh, might have uh, different meanings. You know, there's all kinds of words out there that in our language, as well as in the days of Scripture, uh, that were when they were written. Uh, there's words that have various different meanings, um, like you know, they got engaged today, meaning you know, a couple decided to get married. You know, or uh, can Joe engage his audience? You know, via the web today. I don't. You know, there's there's various different meanings for what the words mean. Uh, fall. I love a cool, crisp fall day. Or, I don't want you to fall on your way to the parking lot today. You know, you, you, and you can't always take words and particular phrases at face value. you got to look at what the context was when it was originally written. Sometimes it's helpful to take a look at the root word. You know, and what did the root word, especially in the translations of Scripture, what was the root word, and how does that apply to the world and to life today? Uh, we need to look at the entire context of various different words in Scriptures, and that's what we're going to be doing here. Um, the one that I want to get into today is the one I just read to you from Matthew 7, but the word I want to identify here is the word judge. And let me what does that mean? You know, in reality, what the word means to me personally really doesn't make any difference in my understanding of Scripture. I understand things by the context that uh, maybe they're presented in. I understand things by the experiences of my own life, uh, by the understanding or the definition that culture might provide. Uh, but all of that really makes no difference. When I'm reading God's Word, what's important is what was the original meaning behind the words uh, that were used. <clears throat> I think it's important to also understand what words don't mean. Now, this word judge, I want, or being judged, it does not mean that we're not 
to hold individuals accountable for godly living. It doesn't mean that at all. It doesn't mean that we should never identify a wrong that another person is involved with. It doesn't mean that either. And it doesn't mean that we're just supposed to live life in whatever way, shape, fashion that we want to and leave everybody else alone. That's not what the word that was used in this particular scripture means. You know, today we live in a society that values tolerance uh, almost above all things. And the idea that we don't judge others uh, rather than see their choices as acceptable is prevalent. You know, those people, everyone has this freedom to choose. And sometimes this word not to judge or the phrase not to judge, uh, we interpret it as leaving others alone, even if what they're doing is wrong. But we have to look at the entire scripture passage, especially this one from Matthew 7. In context, this scripture is not a warning um, about speaking out to others about their actions or behaviors. Um, scriptures actually tell us that we're going to know people by the fruit. We're going to be able to look at other people and, and by the fruit of their life, by the things that they do or they demonstrate or they say or their <clears throat> things that they don't do or they don't say, that's how we know who that person is. You know, remember the Great Commission? And that was when Jesus left this earth and he ascended to heaven and he told everyone, he says, now I'm leaving you and I want you to go out into all the nations of the world and proclaim the gospel, proclaim that Christ has risen and that Jesus has paid the, the ransom for the sack for sin. That's the great commission is to go out and to share that with other people. You know, we're supposed to engage people in that respect. And not only to share with them the gospel, but also to critique in a, in a particular way how people are living and how we can help them on this journey of faith. You know, in the context of when this scripture was written, this is what it meant. It was a warning against the religious hierarchy of the day. It was a warning against the church leaders of the day. And that would be coming. It was a warning against all of, you know, the Christendom, you and I together today. It was a warning about judging somebody in a self-righteous way and through hypocrisy. You see, we're to judge people in the same fashion uh, that God uses to judge people. Now, that's a difficult scenario. That is difficult. And let me give you an example. If, if I judge somebody um, with aggression, you know, I look at somebody and I'm kind of aggressive toward them and I'm like, you know, you're not doing the right things. You're, you know, you should be doing this, this, this. If I judge somebody aggressively, then this particular passage tells me that God's going to judge me aggressively. Well, I don't want that. But if I judge somebody with love, and compassion in my heart, only seeking their best interest, then that's the way God will judge me. You see, that's what this particular verse about not judging others and the plank in your eye and all, it's a warning to those, especially in the Christian church, to not look down on a brother or sister. 
don't look down on them because we're all in the same boat. We're all human beings. We're all sinful in our nature. We all make mistakes. We don't always see things the right way. And sometimes we judge people, and they were doing this back in Jesus' day, in order to elevate themselves, make themselves feel better. You know, hey, I've got it all together. You're the, you're the one that's not doing things right. You're the one that doesn't understand. So we're not supposed to judge people in a self-righteous position. That's not what we're supposed to do. That's what we're supposed to guard against. But we are supposed to look at people, especially Christians in the church, brothers and sisters in the faith, and to deal with them and to talk with them and to have their best interest at heart. What would it be like if, if God judged me the way that I judge people sometimes? You know what? I'd be in a world of hurt. That would be crushing. That would be crushing. But we're called to judge or to relate to other people and the way that they're living their Christian faith or their Christian walk. We're, we're called to do that in love and in compassion and as a brother or sister in the faith. We're called to do that as not someone who's got it figured out, but with somebody with a humble heart who says, you know, I'm struggling with things in my life too. I don't have all of the understanding about God and how I'm supposed to live either. But I've noticed this about you and, and what's going on. And this is what I see. But you don't say that. You don't judge them. You don't do those things in order to elevate yourself. We do that because we want to help. We want to help somebody to to grow deeper in their love of Christ, of Christ and, and walk deeper in their, in their faith journey. That's the reason that we do it. That's the reason that we are called to call people to the errors of their way. That's why it says that, you know, we'll know people by the fruits of their life. We're supposed to help them. We're supposed to help each person in that journey of faith. Now, there's a tremendous difference between dealing with somebody uh, with arrogance and dealing with somebody in humility. You know, arrogant judgment of somebody would say, what a despicable, vile person or a weak person, and look what they're doing. But a humble person who looks at another person, I don't mean to use the word judge, but a humble person that judges another one, another person, especially Christian, would say, you know what? Apart from the redemption that I have through Jesus, I'd be in the same boat. You know, I've been forgiven by God through my humility and through my faith in Jesus and my, my proclaiming to Jesus and offering to him the mistakes that I've made in my life. I, I'm just as lost as anybody, especially the other person I'm looking at. And if I can help that person in their journey of faith, that's what Jesus is talking about. But do it with the heart of Christ. Do it with the heart that God offered his son to the world with. A humble heart. A heart that didn't see the evil other than something that needed to be redeemed. He didn't look down. Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to be served. I came into the world to offer my life for ransom. You know, I came into the world for your best interest. I came into the world to help. That's the way that you and I are called to look at 
our brothers and sisters in the faith. And if they're struggling with something or if we if we notice that there's something that they're not doing right, it's not to point out to them that you're better than them. It's to point out to them that I, I see this. And yes, I struggle with things too. It might be the same thing. It might not be. But I want to bring that to your attention. And if there's some way that I can help you, I'm going to. That's the intention that Jesus is identifying here that we need to offer and to have in our heart when we, when we talk to another person about what's going on in their life or we judge them. There's another verse that I want to talk to you about that's very, very much misunderstood. <clears throat> and it comes from Matthew in chapter 18. And it says this, it says, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. And that's Matthew 18, 20. Now, you know what? I've had people tell me or quote that verse as, as a way <clears throat> to say, I don't need to come to church Instead, I'm going to the golf course and my Christian buddies that I'm golfing with, you know, Jesus will be there among us because there's two or three gathered and we'll say a prayer before we tee off and we're good. That's not the intent behind it. You have to look at what the intention was, what the context was when it was written. <clears throat> let, me, let me read this uh, verse along with the other verses that preceded it. And it says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Now here again, we're talking about judgment. We're talking about looking at a brother or a sister who is a Christian, maybe belongs to the same church as we are, and also one that I have a relationship with. We're, we're, Jesus doesn't call us to go out into the world and every time we see somebody doing something to point the finger at them. All that does is chase people away. What we're called to do in this, in the context of these two scriptures, is to identify problems that maybe we can help the other person with or through. So it says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. Okay? Just me and one other person. Someone that I have a personal relationship with. Someone that can tell that I'm coming to them to talk about this particular item because I care about them, because I love that person and I'm concerned about that person and I want to help that person in any way, shape, or form that I can, especially in their Christian journey. And then it says, <clears throat> if they listen to you, you've won them over. Wonderful. And it says, but if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. What it's saying there is not, you know, bring a larger group of people with you to point at somebody so that they can really feel bad about what's going on. It's, it's talking about if you need to have the situation affirmed, bring another person that has a relationship with the individual, and between the two of you or the three of you, in love, with compassion, and without you know, self-righteousness and all that, identify what's going on and say, you know, is there any way we can help you? That's all. That's all it is. So, you know, so many times this culture that we live in has, has just redefined some of the words that we read, like judge. When it comes to judging scripturally, it's talking about judging another person 
with the attitude that God has when he sees the person, only wanting the best for that person, not wanting to condemn the not wanting to condemn them. But instead, with a heart that says, I'm willing to sacrifice on, on my behalf in any way that I can to help you with the sin or the struggles that you're dealing with in your life. And then it keeps going. It says, if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen, even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. <clears throat> Excuse me. Again, this particular scripture is not saying, okay, if they don't listen to the two or three, then boot them out like you would a tax collector or boot them out like you would, you know, uh, you know, a pagan or whatever, someone that has no faith at all. That's not what it's saying at all. The heart of God, when God looks at the tax collector or the part or the person that maybe is involved with sin or doesn't have a great relationship with him or, or doubts even in his own existence, God's heart says, I want to help that person come to know me and whatever it takes, even the death of my son, if that's what it takes. You see, he's talking about if the person won't listen to the two or three, you don't write them off. You don't write them off. You go even deeper. Maybe you spend more time praying for that individual, more time trying to help that individual, or, or maybe give them a break and come back to them at a later time and say, you know, can we talk about it again? Whatever the situation and whatever the relationship you have with the person demands, you do that because. At the forefront of what you're trying to do is you're trying to help the individual. That's what it means to treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Again, not writing them off. It's whatever has to happen because of my love and compassion for this individual. That's what I'm going to do. Tough Questions for God is a teaching ministry of the Rosebush United Methodist Church where we challenge our faith with some of the most difficult issues. Tough Questions for God is available on Facebook Live, Sundays at 11.30 a.m., or go on our website at toughquestionsforgod.org and just follow the links on the homepage for YouTube or via podcast. Thanks for joining, and don't forget to like and share. God bless.